Once upon a time, there was an overworked, stressed-out modern-day person, and that person was you, and that person became a victim of the spiral. You know what I mean, right? Oh, yes, you do. The spiral is that downward plummet towards depression, anxiety. It's that sneaky feeling that slowly creeps into your life. It makes you think irrational thoughts seem reasonable. At the start, it's trying to be subtle. I should have listened more. I always mess that up. Life is hard. Other people can do this. Why can't I? Usually, you recognize these types of thoughts are not helpful and let them slide. But not today. Today, you listen to them. Your stress levels increase and you begin to ruminate about the bad, ignoring the good. Nothing is going right. Everything is going wrong. And the spiral gives a little giggle. He's winning, so this time he gives you thoughts that are far more irrational than the previous ones. I'm hopeless. I'm a failure. Nobody likes me. I can't do anything right. You don't have time to deal with these bad feelings. People rely on you. And instead of cooking a healthy meal for your family that night, you get takeout. Oh, and a little bottle of wine. You could use a glass of wine or a cigarette. Later, you feel badly that you haven't cooked a healthy meal. You feel badly that you were home late from work. You're so tired, and thanks to that bottle of wine, you managed to get to sleep. Thank God, sleep will help. Too bad you had more than two glasses of wine because after three hours of sleep, when the effects of the wine wear off, you wake up. Your brain latches on to more negative thoughts. There's a strange, anxious hum in your body. Your mind won't sleep. It can't sleep. So you get up and watch television. You wonder where your life went. You hate your job. There's not enough passion in your relationship. The house needs cleaning. You won't get enough sleep and it'll make you hopeless the next day. This is how the spiral starts. It begins with worries, stress, external pressures. And in order for a quick comfort, a quick fix, we look outside the bounds of what we know and is good for us. You stop exercising. You eat more unhealthy food. You don't eat enough nutritious food. You turn to alcohol or other drugs to relieve the bad feelings. This fuels your negative thought patterns, the ones you're already susceptible to because you've done this before. You should know better. And when life begins to look horrible, you begin to cry. When you don't feel like socializing and want more alone time. When you get caught up in thoughts of the past, feel guilt, shame, rejection. You're spiraling. Stop! Depression is most powerful when you believe that it's inevitable and unchangeable. It starts to lose power once you realize that many of its characteristics are habits that depression has pulled you into. And like any habit, they can be replaced with better ones. Just because God may allow difficult circumstances does not in any way mean that he is the cause of them and therefore to blame. Blaming God for bad things is a diabolical accusation. It's a very short-sighted perspective that views God as the reason for pain and suffering. Now, on the contrary, the Bible clearly presents God as the one who sticks closer than a brother. He is our refuge in times of trouble. He is the Prince of Peace. He is love everlasting.
When we get mad at God because we think he should always and immediately respond to our every demand, or prayer as we sometimes call it, we set ourselves up for incredible disappointment. God works and moves on his own timetable. He has the advantage of eternal perspective. And we oftentimes choose not to view things like he does. We have a short-sighted perspective. Now this morning I want to look at eight problems and eight solutions as they relate to discouragement. The first problem is spiral thinking. Spiral thinking is a fixation with the negative that compiles and compounds until you find yourself in an emotional freefall. The solution is sound thinking. Ask yourself this, self, how does God view me? What does he think about me? 2 Timothy 1.7 gives us an idea of what he thinks about us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jeremiah 31.3 also says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And also 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. Now the second problem is depressive thinking and speaking. This type of thinking and talking again focuses on the negative, the bad and the wrong, but it goes a step further. It actually causes us to lose sight of God. Look with me at the depression chart and notice the progression. First of all, it begins with distraction. How many of you get distracted pretty easily? Okay, how many ADD people am I talking to here? Besides myself? I don't know if I have ADD. I'm not even sure really what it is. But anyway, we get distracted. See, I got distracted right there. And then we get disappointed. We experience discouragement, which brings on distress. Then we become despondent. We find ourselves finally at despair. And then we have to make a choice, either death or deliverance. Depression lacks faith, but it is more than that. It is a disbelief in God and his goodness. This way of thinking, which is an attitude, a pattern of thinking, forgets about who God is and one's true identity and position in Christ. It is critical that we never reach the bottom of the chart. If you do, you should seek immediate help. The death side may mean that one takes his or her own life, or it could mean that one walks away from relationships, including their relationship with God. On the other hand, one can experience deliverance if they get the help that they need. Now, I want to say it again. If you can relate to anything that I've said so far, please see me following the service. I want to pray with you, and I want to get you pointed in the right direction of some help. Now, I've already offered a solution for the person who has reached despair, but for those of you who may not have reached this critical level, let me give another solution, and that is faith thinking and speaking. Faith thinking and speaking. Positive thinking and positive confession alone will not cut it. You have to mingle a positive attitude with faith-filled thoughts, faith-filled words, thoughts that come and words that come from God's word. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts. And we need to listen to this. Fix your thoughts on what is true, 
and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, some of you may ask, is it true that life and death are in the power of our words? The tongue is used throughout the Bible in both literal and metaphorical ways, especially in Psalms, Proverbs, and the book of James. The tongue is a small part of the body, according to James 3, 5, yet Proverbs 18, 21 says, it has the power of life and death. This holds true whether we're speaking of spiritual, physical, or emotional life and death. Now, the third problem is self-focus. Self-focus. I'm not talking about looking in the mirror every morning to make sure that you're presentable to go out in public. You should all do that. We should all do that. But we get into trouble when we focus on ourselves too much because it tends to lead to self-obsession, which can lead to a loss of godly perspective. Generally speaking, we have no greater critic than ourselves. The only exception may be the devil or some very critical person who has crept into our lives. Now, the solution here, I believe, is worship and praise. Worship and praise. Karen and I served as senior pastors at a church in Colorado, just down the road from where the Ligons served. They were there a little before we were. Actually, our church supported the Ligons back in the 90s, and I believe that they still do. But uh, we served as uh, senior pastors of that church back in the 90s, and then I resigned as the senior pastor. And when I did, I felt with, I dealt with severe discouragement and even depression for about 18 months. It was one of those periods of time that while I knew God had not abandoned us, I still felt like a failure, and that's hard to deal with. In the midst of those difficult days, though, I want to tell you that God clearly spoke to me on two occasions, and he said the following. First of all, he said this, do not write the book about this experience that you want to write, for if you do, you're going to get stuck in the hurt and pain. I had decided that I was going to write a book entitled, and listen, Pastors in the Hands of an Angry Church. This church had had, and I'm not exaggerating, probably 25 pastors in a 35-year period. We didn't know the history. We walked into that, and the lights went on in a, within a very short period of time. But I decided not to write it in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And once I decided to listen to him, the Lord said one more thing to me. And he gave me just three simple yet profound words, and they were this. And you may want to write these down. Just praise me. Just praise me. You know what? When I began to praise and worship him with focused attention, the discouragement and depression changed because, and it was so simple, I took the focus off of myself and my, and my perceived failure, and I put it where it should have been the whole time. On Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good 
and pleasing and perfect. Now, the fourth problem is a poverty mentality. A poverty mentality. This way of thinking says that I need others to take care of me. I need the government or the church to pay my bills. But this way of thinking also says I do not deserve to be blessed. That's only for other people, special people, people who are far more spiritual than I am. Now, there's quite a contradiction of thinking here. On the one hand, this person may think that while they don't deserve God's blessings, they do feel entitled and expect the government and others to provide for them. It makes no sense. Now, the solution to a poverty mentality is a provision mentality. A provision mentality. The truth with a poverty mentality is that we are not worthy and should not expect anything from God. The lie is that even after entering into a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, that we should not expect any good to come into our lives. We need to know that we are children of the King and He has made us worthy through His very presence in our lives. Remember, He is Jehovah Jireh, your and my provider. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, this verse speaks of both God's physical and spiritual provision. John 10.10 also says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The fifth problem is angry and frustrated thinking. This can be directed toward either people or your circumstances. Life is full of frustrations. Some of them are minor irritations, but some are really big issues. When we use our frustration and anger to motivate us to change something in our life for the good, Anger and frustration end up being positive and helpful. But for many people, anger and frustration result in irritability, rage, stress, resentment, loss of confidence, depression, and other negative behaviors and feelings. The simple solution, at least on paper, is joy and peace. Joy and peace. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Philippians 4, 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4, 26, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And finally, James 1.19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get or to become angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, the following verse that I'm going to read to you is one of the most important verses that we can learn as Christians. This verse of Scripture can help us to release help to release us from the propensity to allow conflict with others to dominate and ultimately derail us. 
and it is Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You may at times have conflict with other people, but you have to realize that they really are not your enemy. Are you hearing me? People are not your enemy unless you make them your enemy. Differences of opinion, different ways of seeing things, and especially, as this verse says, demonic forces are your enemy. Don't fight with people. If you do, you're fighting the wrong war, and you're going to lose. The sixth problem is a victim mentality. Victim mentality. This is an acquired or learned personality trait in which a person tends to regard himself or herself as a victim of the negative actions of others and to think, speak, and act as if that were the case, even in the absence of clear evidence. Someone else put it like this. A victim mentality is one where it is always someone else's fault for bad things happening to you. Further than this, it can be an expectation that things will go wrong because you know what? Bad things always happen to me. We've got to get away from that. A victim blames others for their circumstances. When something happens, they simply don't take responsibility for what they've done. Now, the solution is this. Adopt a victor mentality. 1 John 5, 4, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read the story of King David and Mephibosheth. Say that fast ten times. Mephibosheth. <clears throat> if you can't sleep tonight, let me encourage you to, to crack that out. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was David good, David's good friend and the grandson of the first king of Israel, Saul. After Jonathan's death, David went to show kindness to Saul's family. Mephibosheth had been injured and had become unable to walk at the age of five. When David sent for him, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant? And listen, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? His identity seemed completely based on his disability, when in fact he was the grandson of a king. He had forgotten his royal lineage and was wallowing in self-pity. Yet David looked beyond his physical impairment and recognizing who he was, made a permanent place at his own table for Mephibosheth. How much time do we spend wallowing in our own self-pity, groaning about things with which we struggle? So much so that it becomes our identity. It becomes who we are. The enemy would love nothing more than to keep us focused on our disabilities and other limitations so that we are distracted from the calling of God on our lives. Satan wants us to have a victim mentality. But let's not lose focus of the reality of who we are in Christ. In Jesus, we are a chosen people. We are part of a royal priesthood. And the king has offered us a place at his table. We are heirs of his great throne. In him, we should have and we can have a victor mentality. Now, the seventh problem is weakness both spiritual and emotional. The solution is spiritual empowerment. 
and emotional healing. Spiritual empowerment, empowerment, excuse me, and emotional healing. Now, I know it's hard to hear someone tell us that we're weak, especially when we are, or at least when we feel weak. But sometimes that's exactly what we need to hear. It does no one any good to glaze over the truth just to pacify someone in an attempt to make them feel better. We owe one another the obligation of speaking the truth in love and then to come alongside them and assist them back to spiritual and emotional health. And let's never forget that true strength is only found in Jesus Christ. And let's also never forget Jesus' words of comfort found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And here Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen? Now, the eighth problem is a lack of prayer and Bible study. A lack of prayer and Bible study. Now, I'm going to give you a really complicated solution here, so hang on. Ready? The solution is to pray and read and study God's Word. It's really not complicated. How else are you going to get to know, how else will you get to know God? except through prayer and Bible study, Bible reading. Psalm 119, 105, a great word of encouragement. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It shows me where I'm supposed to go and what I'm to do. It gives me direction. Also, John 6, 63, the spirit gives life. And this is Jesus speaking. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. As I conclude, many Christians simply roll over and play dead. They tap out when times get tough. We need to call on God and press on in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's not our own strength anyway. When I'm weak, Paul says, then I am strong because God is strong in me. Let's not give up and give in when the enemy comes after us. Because guess what? He's after us. Just know that. But remember, your fight is not against people, it's against him and demonic forces. Stand up in the power and authority of Jesus' name. Amen? I'd like for you to stand with me. Here at Live Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.